Welcome to Carbon Times. As the global drive towards creating a more sustainable world for us all continues to gain pace, our goal is to create interesting content where we will speak to people from across all sectors on what can drive sustainability in everything that we do. We are inviting interesting guests along to talk to us about their experiences and what they are doing to share knowledge, experience, innovation and ambitions. As ever, we want to get everybody talking. We all have a responsibility to create a more sustainable world. Do you know what it takes to produce single-use cotton pads? Neither do I, but I do know that last round is made with 100% plant-based and sustainably sourced materials. It's produced here in Denmark, and every round is completely compostable. Each round can be used 150 times, which means I'll save 1,000 cotton pads and 10,000 liters of water. Welcome back to the Carbon Times podcast. As you know, we're always seeking to have interesting conversations with people that are driving innovation and driving change in the right direction. So we are delighted today to be joined by Isabel Agard from Last Object. Welcome, Isabel. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Could you start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and Last Object? Yes. Well, in short, I am a designer and with two other amazing designers. Four years ago, we created the company Last Object, which has a very huge mission, which is reducing, eliminating single-use items. So all of our products are with this goal. So we have made a reusable swab, reusable cotton grounds, a modern take on the handkerchief, so it's all products. We just launched the last pad, which is a menstrual pad. So all our products have the focus that they can be used again and again and washed so that they eliminate the equivalent of a thousand cotton swabs or 700 cotton rounds. It's different from product to product. Excellent. So what drives your passion? What made you think about wanting to change that outlook you know that we are all terrible at single use you know across the world and it has become more prevalent you know with all the campaigns that have been going on around especially waste in the oceans i think that's the one that highlighted it to most people really and and especially around beauty products i think that it became very much a simple easy wake up in the morning or before you go to bed at night you just do your routine and you know without the sort of consequences coming about so I guess some of that's a part of the overall driver for everyone. But what was your journey particularly? I think that there are a lot of drivers in the creation of Last Object. Personally, when we started to, we're all designers and we just, we love designing. And wanting to design something sustainable was something that we, for many years, wanted to create together and with a very focused sustainable profile. Um, instead of like, oh yeah, and it's kind of green or it's in a good um, a good material or whatever, but the whole, everything around the company was sustainable. So that was like the main driver for creating it. I think where we kind of, our passion led us to what we're creating today is when we started reading up on single use items, which was something we kind of stumbled upon. And it was just massive numbers of single use items that we use in an everyday setting. And I started looking at just what I did, like in my private life, Personally, I had like a huge 
like I consume so many single use cups because I like my to go coffee and it was a habit that I had to change. We didn't design reusable cups because there are plenty of those, but we wanted to tackle some of the areas that hadn't been tackled or had been tackled a hundred years ago, like the handkerchief. So really trying to go in and make something very convenient because if you need not, you know, one or 5% of the world's population to make a change. But if you need the 90% of people, then you need to do it very conveniently. It has to be fun. It has to be something, it has to be sustainable, but it doesn't have to be about sustainability. It can also be a design element, something beautiful, something that's actually making your life easier and not more difficult. So for us, it was a huge driving point to make this an everyday item that really hit the nail on something that's a huge problem but also an everyday item that's easy and convenient to use so that we could get into any household. Because it is universal, I guess, in that sense that it is a concept, a product, and well, a line of products that can touch everybody really and that has instant you know, impact across the world. Which brings me to some really cool numbers that you have on your website. You know, when you actually look on your website, you can see the live tracker going up and, and up and up as you sit there watching. So I won't put you on the spot and ask you the numbers. But I mean, if we even look at it now, we can look at it, you know, at present, it shows the best part of three and a half million pounds of waste eliminated, 3.1 billion single-use items eliminated from the supply chain as a whole, and then 300,000 pounds of plastics being removed from the ocean. So those numbers and trickling up all the time, that's a really good idea in itself. So I guess is that part of what you're trying to do as well is make sure that everybody learns from your success, I guess, from that point? It is definitely a focus for us to explain how massive the single-use industry how massive it is and how much we consume. And on an educational point, there is a lot of focus in our company to try to explain like how this switch doesn't have to change your life. I'm not going to make a reusable equivalent to the toilet paper yet, but there are a lot of other items that are not that hard to change out. And, and I think there's definitely some like the success that we've had in changing these products out in our homes. I want to deliver that to everybody else in nice packaging. (laughs) So I guess the change thing must be a really big part of what you're doing, because in any line of any opportunity business or anything you try and do in life, I guess, trying to change people's perception on anything is always really, really difficult. And I guess this particular one is one that we've all grown up with. So we've all grown up with simplicity. And I guess to some degree, there's a perception out there that people would think that that quick one use throwaway product is more hygienic is, you know, in that sense, it's better for them, you know, rather than the consequence on the planet. I guess there's a balance there. One, how are you directly challenging that perception? And two, what's the right balance, I guess, with that? You are so precise and right here. That's exactly the things that are sometimes hard to explain. And there's also the added benefit of not having to run out of it. So it's, you know, I haven't for four years bought a Q-tip and I had a baby and he has a lot of earwax. It's like crazy how much baby earwax can actually be produced. And that's been amazing to have some baby things that like my baby's never used a tissue, like a single use tissue. And he's completely grown up with it. And it's so natural for him. 
but it's something that you have to, and it's natural for me now, but that it wasn't natural the first year or the second year. It became something natural. So I think that something that you kind of have to try for a while before it becomes a habit, something that is easy for you, then you reap the benefits of how easy it is just to throw your tissues in the washing machine and pack them up while you fold your other clothes. You know, it becomes a habit of a ritual, which is amazing. And something that I hadn't seen for come was that every time you restack, every time I've used all my cotton rounds and I restack them in the container, if I wash them sometimes in the washing machine, it's such like, it's so purposeful. It feels like, oh, I just used it, you know, 10 times again. And oh, now I just, you know, have to switch out 18 tissues in my tissue box here at home. We just save the planet from 18 tissues and it's packaging, you know, it's so I think like every time I wash, every time, that's not the hard thing to do. The hard thing to do is still remember to put it in your bag. <laughs> but the washing thing becomes like a ritual and something that is what makes you feel good, which is weird. And you don't feel good when you throw something in the bin, you know, and you don't feel good when you, maybe when you restock, because then you remember to buy all those tissues or rounds or menstrual pads, but it's in the process of washing that's the most satisfying and it doesn't make sense. And you have to try it to kind of feel it. Yeah. That really resonates, actually. I think that really makes a lot of sense. That's a, just because I'm new to being introduced to the product itself and, you know, reading up about it over the last couple of weeks has been fascinating, you know, the whole concept and the whole journey and that pride and, you know, that feel like you are doing something and you are saving something each time you interact with the product and each time you do that action is a really good point. I think that must be part of the switch that must resonate quite strongly with people. You, do you get that feedback quite frequently? Yes, we do. Yeah. And we have, and people don't have one of our products, they have them all. And I think that also tells you a lot because maybe you got into this because you're annoyed of having a red nose. So you wanted to use handkerchiefs and it wasn't hygienic. And then maybe you fall or you see our tissues, which has a hygienic barrier and it's easier. You have a couple of them on you. So you don't reuse a dirty one and you keep taking out new ones. And it's like a tissue pack and a handkerchief, but just like they had a baby. And I think that's quite interesting that this customer then suddenly is like, oh, you have a swap too. I'll try that. Oh, you have a menstrual pad. That's interesting. So every time you pick a new sustainable item into your home, you want to try something new. And it's kind of like starting to get interested in cooking. And then it's like, oh, I'll try this recipe ooh, and this recipe. And ooh, it would be fun to mix this with this. You know, you really evoke wanting to do more of what you do. So one thing that stood out when I was looking at the product was the packaging and the kind of messaging. It's, it's really clever and, you know, really quite pretty, you know, and considering it's sort of aimed at that beauty market, I think that's obviously really smart. How big a part of a journey, I'd imagine, you know, the fact you're all designers had a massive part of that, you know, from that point of view, but was that a big part of, you know, bringing it to market? Yeah, it was. I think when we design, we love to design everything in the company. So that means like we have like the way that we organize ourselves, the way that we do our packaging, the way that we ship, the way that we have communication with each other. Like everything is just pretty and nice and thought through. And especially something that you know will be printed, you know, thousands, millions of times. You really want that to be an experience. And then we also, we worked on the boxes when you were like a PR agent and you'll get like one of each of our products. 
and you open it up like the story like is part of the packaging and it's folded in and like I think we're just like nerds <laughs> so everything around our products are very well thought out or at least we think so <laughs> and we are having like a lot of fun with it so I think you can kind of feel that in the whole product and we actually just soon very soon are going to launch a new version of our packaging and that's been tough because we love our own packaging but we also need something that looks better on shelves we're very you know web design everything that looks good on your e-com site is not always what looks good in a shop so we've had to have a switch there but it's been such a fun journey after four years of the same packaging that we're doing like a whole retake on all our products and really trying to you know catch some of the good things from the old packaging but introducing new elements to like the new world i think yeah that's been exciting what's been the reaction from the norm or is the norm in this market a little bit invisible i mean sometimes when you come up with a new product and you're moving into the market space the sort of stayed or main competitors if you like would you know maybe cause some disruption or try and copy you quickly or do whatever i suppose is the market so watered down that there isn't really that voice out there or Actually, when we, our first product was Last Swap. And yes, we did a Kickstarter. And after launching it, after three days, we had five different copies <laughs> floating around. So that went quick. But one thing is designing and copying. The other thing is actually really creating a product that's well-made in every sense, like the material. So we thought through the whole process of production. And that's why our swab is just like way better. So they kind of died out pretty quick, the copies. We did do like a whole new category, which is good and bad because we did the first reusable cotton swab in the world. So there wasn't really a place. We didn't have competition in that sense. And we could stand next to some other, you know, reusable things and a lot of sustainable brands in general. But our biggest competition is the single use cotton swab and the single use cotton round and the single use, you know, all of this. So that's like the space on the shelves that we want. And that's been a different journey because it's harder to get into these bigger chains. It's harder to be in a supermarket, which is like, I also want to be in a design. I, we just got into MoMA and I love being in like nice design stores and little mom pop eco shops and stuff like that. But I would love to be in a really, really nice store or like organic or yeah, of course, sustainable focus a supermarket, because that's where you're going to get the people that are just about to do like, oh, restock their single-use cotton swabs. And then they're like, oh, wait, I didn't know this existed. And I want those. And I also want everybody else. But it was just, <laughs> I think this is really where we can make a huge difference. So getting into that marketplace is uh, tougher in some instances. Getting into the beauty industry is easier in the way that people are becoming much more aware that it's very polluting in production and, and mindset and everything. But it's also a really like, red ocean place to be because there's so many beauty brands so many people it's kind of like having a bar everybody wants to own a bar or a cafe so that's why it's really hard to be in this business and that's the same with the beauty industry mm -hmm. a lot of people are making and want to make beauty products so it's tough and then we have this third place we are with all the other eco products in general so i kind of feel like our competition is very different in different stores or in different angles which is good and bad 
good and bad at the same time always a challenge so around the company i know when you talk about competition and people coming up with like copycat type activities and those dying out i'd imagine some of that's because i guess there's more than just the product in terms of sustainability at heart would that be fair like in terms of you know the company itself your ethics what you do as an organization i'd imagine that transposes that sustainability message all through the company as well what other sort of initiatives and activities do you stand proud of i guess from a corporate point of view as well as a functional point of view definitely we're very freelancer based so two thirds of the company is working everywhere in the world, which is amazing because then you get the best of the best and you don't have all of the unnecessary things that an office sometimes can be. So I think that's amazing. We do really small things like we only eat vegetarian at the office, actually vegan. That was tough when they took the cheese. But <laughs> I think that's like a really small thing, but it's also something huge because it's changed our personal lives a bit. And then we do huge things, which is shipping. So we have multiple warehouses. So everything is shipped by boat and then it's distributed. And we have amazing partners that only work with us, supplying us with no plastic in our packaging, which is like a, oh yeah, that should be easy. That's not easy. <laughs> so many of these warehouses and they will pack your things in plastic. And it's been quite a journey in that sense. So we're really aware of how we move our stock around how we deplete our stock. If there, for example, is a color that we're going to not use anymore. Like I think a lot of companies, I know a lot of companies will burn or discard or, and you really have to think creatively to keep growing the way that you want to go, like mm -hmm. as an organization, as a brand, and then still being aware of not throwing things out and putting that extra effort, even though it's going to cost more to you know repackage or to move around in a way that's creative so i think that i love that we do that because i think it's important but it's not the norm at all definitely do you find that the way that you approach the company and the organization and the kind of ethics behind it that that helps you to attract the right people that's what i find nowadays is that you know the generation of employees that we all want to employ are all super conscious of this is do you find that as well is that helping you get the right people definitely definitely we have very very high level people and it's both like on the creative front but like also in the organization how everything is structured it's been amazing to see how many people want to be part of this. And also in like so small, like for example, dealing with influencers, especially the last couple of years, it's become very expensive to do hate marketing. And the way that people just, even like for free and organic, just shares our stuff or does like an opening. Oh, I've just, and we didn't even send them the product. They're just doing this on their own because they want to be part of this. They want to share these amazing products that will change the amount of trash that you create throughout a year. So I think that this has been very surprising to me. I've also worked in other companies where this was not, they could also be focused a bit in sustainability or mm. have good stories, but it's just so obvious that people understand the message. And especially when people use the products, they really become fond of them. And I think that's why people organically are just sharing so much about their story and how they use it. And yeah, it hasn't been so necessary for us to do a lot of the things that a lot of other companies that maybe don't have 
that mission to be. So that's so nice. I think one of our problems is that we have too many stories. We have so many things that we're doing, you know, every product that's sold, we take out a kilo of plastic from the ocean, but all our plastic cases are also made of ocean plastic. And you replace a thousand cotton swabs or 3000 tissues or, you know, and we also want to talk about packaging and nothing is plastic. And it's, (laughs) yeah, it's a lot sometimes, but it's nice because people that really understand sustainability, they love to dive into it. And then it's nice to have good answers. And I think that's helping everybody in this space, really. Everyone that's coming up with new, innovative ways to produce things that are more sustainable. There is a genuine desire and, you know, the market is just open for everyone. I think, you know, the more sustainable you can make it. And as long as it's accessible, people will embrace it. You know, this is one of those Well, I think this is one of those lifetime sort of agendas. I keep saying this to people Mm. that I've never, you know, I've worked in the corporate environment, small companies, all sorts of, you know, different environments. And this is one agenda that connects people like nothing else that I've ever seen, you know, like the Mm. sustainability thing. I, I love it. I do, you know, I genuinely love it. I just think it's really great. And it goes everywhere. It's, you know, if you want to attract the right people, you want to attract the right customers, you want to attract the right partners, et cetera, you know, having the right sustainable approach to it and being able to demonstrate it is really important. Mm, definitely. Yes. And um, where, where are you based? We're based in Copenhagen in Denmark. So that area of Europe has, well, I suppose even globally has, has always stood out, I guess, from a sustainability point of view in a lot of ways. Do you find that helped your journey in one way or another? Yes, I feel like a lot of people understood and was very open to our idea quite quickly. That Copenhagen is also an amazing place to be a designer and also an amazing place to be a startup. So I think being, you know, sustainable startup and design, that's just like the core of this city. So it's been so easy to attract talent that wanted some of the same things and also really create a vision that people understood like internally quite easily. That's amazing. It's really good. Do you remember the early days, the first moment? So, so I'd yes. imagine that, you know, something <laughs> like, you know, you, you all come together, you all have this fabulous idea and you start talking to people. Everyone thinks you're mental, I would imagine, up front and yeah. it's never going to work. And da, 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 da. what was the tipping point like? Of it? Is there a story around that? Is there a moment, you know, when it really clicked, when you thought, oh, this is actually going to work? Yeah, I think there are multiple moments. I remember... It's not our first project, us three. We've done some other also Kickstarters and some other ideas. And so we've gotten really good at building like the story of what we wanted to create, but also afterwards building a good email list so that when we launch, we could send out to a lot of people. So about two weeks before we launched, we had started doing some ads to just generate that email list. And I remember coming to the office and my brother was one of our co-founders. He was so excited. He hadn't slept because the conversion rate that we were at just to getting emails, just to sign up to see what this reusable swab is all about was off the roots. And he was just like sitting with an Excel sheet and like, if we put uh, this many dollars into this, then we can do this and this and this, and maybe we could get it to this. And like, it was just like, we were so excited. And if just 10% convert, then we could actually make a campaign. And I think those like right before we launched, we were so excited because we saw that we had actually hit something. 
especially on Facebook, because what happened was that half of the comments would be like, oh my God, this is absolutely amazing. Like, I can't wait to see this product. And half of the comments was like, Jesus, this is disgusting. Guys, really? Why would you do this? Like, we use us. Oh my God, you know what? That this is not hygienic, you know? So it was like 50 50. And that was why so much conversation was actually because even the, like the bad conversation would actually just provoke it being shared even more. And then good conversation would like be defending us. And it was just a whole community that happened and it was growing over these weeks. And that was just amazing to follow. And when we then launched, we were sitting and just like refreshing the website constantly because it just like it, it kept kind of like with the counter we have now of uh, single use items, how many are being eliminated every second. And it was the same. It was like, oh, we just got five new backers. We just got 15. Like, okay, I'm going to have lunch and then I'll come back. Oh my God, it's 50. You know, so that was exciting. Those two moments I remember very, very vividly. And then when we then went through the whole production, the third most amazing thing was when we actually had the product in our hands. We hadn't solved it technically when we launched. It was kind of a, I think we can make this work. So actually after all of this, and then when we actually had, and you could actually use it and it made sense and it worked, that was when we were like, okay, this is actually also something we're proud to send out. That's a really, a really nice journey. It's always good when you hear such a strong story that goes with such a successful you know, journey in itself. It's really, really, really cool. A little bit about the demographics. I would imagine that's something I would be incredibly nerdy about were I in, in your position, you know, like trying to find out who's using it, where they are and what are the sort of the highlighting trends around that? Well, because we started on Kickstarter, our customers are just like mainly in the US. And that's just because that's where our success started. And that's where it's been easiest to grow, both because of the English language, but also because we could really scale things in a whole different way where Denmark, well, we're 5 million people. So it's like, don't even try. <laughs> if you're good in Denmark, that doesn't mean you're successful. So, um, so we really, we were very aware of this. And then there were some things that popped up like Taiwan and Australia became big. And there were just some areas that maybe were just more focused. The North is also good in Sweden, Norway, and Denmark. It's not that it's not good markets. They're just so small. So that's like geographically where we kind of ended up 80% in the US, more or less, even to the day today, actually. And then we thought we were actually had a younger audience, but we found out it's not 18 below. Our strongest buyers are actually, well, around my age, so around 30. So I think that that also, that was surprising, but it's really good. And it also makes sense, like you're on the verge of having kids or maybe have, and you're starting to think about taking care of their generation and, yeah. and wanting to, and also you have a routine, you have a lot of things going on, but it's actually moving more. The last year we can see it's moving more young because my generation, it's something that we have to change our habits. Yeah. Where if you go just 10 years younger, then they've grown up with sustainability in a different sense. So they take it as an, of course. So it's just easy uh, to target them because it's, you don't have to explain the sustainability side of it. They're like, of course. Yeah. But you do have to explain like the use and how you use it and how you like, yeah. it's more explanational actually. 
and less like let's save the world. So that's been interesting, actually, that journey. And then we're, of course, like 95% women. And I don't think it's because women are the main user. I think they're the main, but I don't think they're so much the main users of our products. I think it's because women have a tendency to buy for the household. Yes. So I would also be the one here to, you know, buy swabs or toilet paper and, you know, just like, make sure that we have everything that we need a new toothbrush or so i think that's why i do think that a lot of men do use less swab for cleaning their ears and some for makeup and and then of course the tissue but it's just not men that buy household products typically yeah i think i mean that's you know obviously not meaning in any way to be driving towards any sexist remarks or whatever but i think men are just slightly stupid in that context and if it was down to us we'd just run out of stuff all the time so that's generally why that concept exists around the world i know that's definitely the case for myself that's why i'd be very proud to say you know were it not for my wife buying all the things that we need on a sort of daily basis i'd be constantly popping to the shop to get them which isn't sustainable in itself is it so that's you know that's another thing that we do okay so what's next i guess would be my my wrap-up questions. Where do you see yourselves going in the next few years? I'd imagine it's a really exciting journey to be on. Yes, it is. And we have this conversation every third month. (laughs) (laughs) I think that right now we're very, very focused on creating a healthy business. I think that's a very, it's just important for us that whatever happens because the world right now is also scary and a lot of things have happened with the pandemic and now with the war, it's just, you don't really know what's going to happen in six months or a year. So for us, we kind of like, we have a huge mission, but it's okay if it takes longer right now. Uh Right now, it's just very important for us to be a healthy organization that can stand on their own feet and where we can grow, but with the focus of what we're doing in the center and not like... (gasps) everything is burning, we're not selling anything, or this is this market, or now this is closing. So we don't want to be so frantic. And I think that's that's our main development. And well, then we're very focused on products. It's why we are created. And we're excited about launching new products in some different areas. Also, in the, still in the bathroom department, but I think we'll also move around to other places, try to tackle some of the problems that we see can make a huge difference. So that's really a huge, huge focus. I have personal thing about diapers that I want to solve, but it's not something I'm going to do this year. But that's also like the whole baby uh, situation. I think we can also make uh, some really big changes. So that would also be really exciting to do. But yeah, I think that's two big, big things to also concentrate on. Excellent. Really good. Really good. What advice would you give to people out there? There'll possibly be some people listening, thinking, you know, they've got a great idea. They want to change the world. They think they might be able to do it. But, you know, if they haven't taken that step yet. What would be your advice? I think the best thing that we did in the very beginning, especially, was not being afraid to get critique. So we asked people constantly. We made so many prototypes. We tried them ourselves, perfected it tried them on 10 of our friends, you know, got feedback in different directions. For example, with a pad, like all of my girlfriends have bled on my sewn 
reusable menstrual pads just because I wanted them really to work and I can't just rely on everything on how my period is. So I think that's been like a huge part of our development is that we, to this day and also in the very beginning, we tested and we used a lot of prototypes and a lot of time on perfecting it. And also the storytelling and explaining it, elevator pitches, you know, really being not afraid of talking about it. And I think that in multiple contexts, because for example, I'm from the design school here in Copenhagen and everybody's so afraid of showing their idea because everybody's afraid that they are so brilliant and somebody will copy them. And I think it's just really, really not a good thing to have with you from school because if it's really, really good, then you still have to talk about it. You still have to develop it. And I'm sure, and there are also multiple people that can kind of have the same idea worldwide at the same time. And then it's developed in different ways. And even there can be multiple reusable swab companies that can exist inside each other. So I think not being afraid of talking about it in the context of being copied, but also not being afraid of showing it because you're also afraid of getting that critique. You're afraid of that girl that comes or one of my friends was like, I actually bled through it when I was sleeping and I was like, shit. But then I also solved that issue. So it's so good to test things. And when it doesn't work, it's even better because then you can actually improve and and you can move your design or your idea or your concept in the right direction. Amazing. That's really cool. That's some great advice, I'm sure. So the other thing which I'm, you know, absolutely positive will happen off the back of this is that some people listening will want to find out more. So what's the best way for our listeners to find out more about you? I think our website, lastobject.com, and also our Instagram is also pretty updated. There's some fun content on there. Have some good uh, people in the company creating some fun things. So uh, that's where you can also follow all of our launches and new products and yeah, we have a new product that's coming out in one and a half months. So that's also very exciting and something that you can follow up on that I cannot tell you anything about. <laughs> I thought we were about to get a worldwide exclusive there on our podcast, but never mind. <laughs> okay, well, I, can, I can tell you it's black. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, there you go. A little hint. There you go. <laughs> I've really enjoyed the conversation. It's really, really interesting to find out what you guys are doing, but also you know, commendable in terms of the whole world needs more organizations and more people like yourselves that are driving us all into a more sustainable future. None of us can do this alone. We all need to club together. (laughs) Thank you. And we need people that talk about it and listen to it. So it's also amazing everything that you're doing. And thank you for listening, everybody. We will see you again next time on Carbon Times.